insight into instruction, combining and cultivating conversations between instructors and students. Welcome to Triple-I, Insight into Instruction. My name is Jamie. I'm Annabelle. And I'm Fabulous, but you can call me Thomas. As we come to the end of our winter break, we are back to raise the curtains and introduce you to the voices behind Triple-I. As mentioned on previous episodes, culturally and linguistically responsive pedagogy relies on babbing and loving outrageously. What this means for us as students, pre-service teachers, and even as individuals is that we must see one another as multifaceted entities whose identities do not fit into the simple boxes of a single label. As such, we want to produce and present the podcast beyond the student identity. In this episode, we look forward to introducing you to more intimate elements of our whole selves. For this episode, we will answer a series of core questions that we have all seen. Then, Each member will answer general questions that have been created by the other two members, but have not been seen before, followed by a speed round. And go. What's an area or topic you're fascinated by or want to research within the realm of education? For me, it was talking about being culturally and linguistically responsive, but I want to do it in an area where it's for preschool and toddlers and younger ages and see how much of a impact it would have for them as they grow and see if there's a difference between what we're doing now in schools or trying to do versus already having some of those foundation underneath where they are while they go into the school system and so maybe that will help them be more aware of their surroundings in different lights especially around being culturally and linguistically responsive yeah and that's actually the same thing for me i want to study hopefully in my master's, about how we can get a requirement for CLR classes. So things like diversity, things like the actual CLR class, things like EL classes for free and as a requirement for pre-service teachers. Because right now, all of that is something that you have to pay an additional amount in order to have an endorsement within that, or you have to go to a specific school. I think that that's something that every college should require for pre-service teachers to take. Because if you don't have that background, how are you even going to know whether or not you do have implicit biases? You aren't going to be aware of something like that going into a classroom. And like you were saying, uh, you need to have, like right now, you to have that training, you have to go to a conference. You have to pay hundreds of dollars to have those continuing education credits. But it's something that they should already be taught before entering the classroom. It's right. not something that should be attained afterwards because you will enhance your teaching by just having that going into it, not gaining that skill later on top of the other skills you've already gathered. It should be something that is your foundation. It shouldn't be something that's built upon. Definitely. And then to kind of build on that, where I would like to look into things is differentiating instruction around math, science, and areas that are high risk, not high risk, but areas where there's a lot of difficulty and bringing in, yes, culturally and linguistically responsive differentiation, but also different abilities. And I'd love to see more work on hands-on outdoor experiences, especially in low-income schools where that's not coming in as often. The next question is, what's a common misconception people have about you when they first meet you? So for me, it's um, 
when people first meet me, they think I'm extremely nice, and that niceness can come off as able to be manipulated, and that I'm a pushover, which I'm furthest from that. I'm extremely kind, strictly caring, but I'm also extremely equitable, and want to be able to help everybody, but at the same time, I really am there for the kids and taking care of children. And if I believe something within my heart and passion, I'm gonna fight for that. And I'm gonna really go above and beyond to make sure that that's attained. And if I have to tell things how they are, in a nice way, kind way, that some people are like, oh, I've never seen this side of you. I'd never expect this from you. Just because that's just, I try to treat everyone equally and kind and caring. Right, and mine's a little bit more surface level than that. Thomas got deep on us, but one that I didn't notice until we started doing virtual classes and then meeting people from our virtual classes is that I appear on Zoom much taller than I am in reality. And I noticed that with a few of our classmates as well. We're all a bit shorter than I expected. For me, I think that something that I've come across a lot has been that people think that I'm a snob when they first meet me. It's the opposite. (laughs) I mean for you, but I have found that people are like, well, when I met you, I knew that you had come from this prestigious high school and I don't think that you would like my friends, so I didn't invite you over because I didn't think that they were smart enough or just weren't good enough for me to me and they were a little bit embarrassed of their friends and that's really sad for me because I don't ever look at a person like that mm-hmm. I <laughs> I don't care what education you have as long as you're a good person I can yeah. be a friend with you I maybe I'm not going to talk about Freud with you but I'm really not going to talk about Freud with anybody so. <laughs> very true very true what's something connected to your own identity that you can use to vab validate affirm bridge and build with your students? Something for me would probably be either my experiences with basketball because that's something that a lot of kids like to do and that's something eventually I would even want to coach a basketball team at my elementary or middle school and that could be a way for them to see me outside of the classroom. On the flip end of it, I think books would also be my main connection with kids, Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. Mine would definitely be music. Whether it be singing or bringing in my guitar, I used to do that all the time. I brought in my guitar, I brought in all of my instruments, and all of the kids got to try all of my instruments. It was tons of fun. It was something that built a really cool community where they didn't know as much about me, but then they learned something that was really personal to me. And for me, it would be my love for gaming and anime, manga, things that kids are really into when they're younger that I have past experience with and I love all types of games, board games, video games, card games, games like Foursquare. I am, I'm down to play a game, any game, let's play. So if I can make it into a game, I would love to do it. Or even just go out during recess and I'll, I'm sitting in Foursquare, let's play. Let's do it. Although we've mentioned this in classes prior, this time for the podcast, what was one memory you have of a teacher that made you feel seen or heard, etc., or that altered your life in some positive way? For me, this would be my second grade teacher, but she inspired me in so many different ways. She also got me all the resources I need because I'm dyslexic. And so she made me feel seen and heard in a way that wasn't pointing me out like I had a deficiency. She gave a hat that had everyone's name in it. And she told everyone that there was going to be a special guest that was going to get special time with a certain student, but there's only one special guest and one student that could be picked. So she had this hat, and little did I know that there was only one name in that hat, and it was mine. But she picked my name, 
and I thought I won the best prize. I felt so special, so unique. She knew that I needed that service, so I was taken out to get speech with this person. I also got reading help, which this individual read a book to me, also gave me books to take home. And then she also helped me through my first experience with migraines. And my mom couldn't come get me because she worked as a waitress. And her boss at the time in the 90s wasn't forgiving about needing to go and take care of your child. So she kept me there, turned off all the lights, forgot all the curriculum. And I sat in a beanbag and she would literally just read books to the other students while I sat there and I cried. I was upset but took care of me. I remember this day she loved bumblebees. Everything in the classroom was bees, and I'm highly allergic to bees, but I <laughs> loved her. She was the best teacher on this planet. Can't be perfect. Can't be perfect. That's okay. <laughs> it's perfect. I guess for me, if I'm thinking elementary school, I mean, there were, there have been a lot of teachers who changed my life in college. But in elementary school, I had one specific teacher, my history teacher in, I believe, seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I guess that's not elementary school, that's middle school. But my elementary school and middle school were just all one big mesh of a school. So Mr. V, or Mr. Valdez, he had games that he would let us play every week, created his own game called Challenge. It was basically like, sort of like a Jeopardy, and he would create his own questions he would put in questions that were similar to test questions and we would go half and half class there was a challenge column it was random questions but a lot of them had to do with a classmate or a person so he would say oh this person's name could be a rich chicken farmer and so you had to guess the last name of the person which was me henrich oh yeah <laughs> henrich farms yeah rich chicken farmer i hated history with a passion. And this was the only thing that kept me going. And then he created a guitar club and we were able to come in during like free time and we would learn guitar from him randomly. That's and amazing. so yeah. he was like, a, he was a really inspiring teacher. And I'm like, I want to play challenge in a class when I'm a teacher, I'm making that game. <laughs> That's going to be so awesome. It'll yeah. be fun. Like all the critical thinking skills that comes to that game. Right. Like actually like guessing, I don't, I, I love games. I'm mm -hmm. down for the, I want to learn the game. Ready? All the games. <laughs> so what's a question you still have or want to dive deeper into in the realm of linguistics? Something I would love to do personally is develop my knowledge in a second language and then spend time immersed in a culture or a location where my language is not the dominant language because I've always lived somewhere where my language was the dominant one. And that makes it more difficult to connect with students. I feel like who have had different experiences than that simply because I haven't. And for me, I want to do an I want to actually do more research upon the immersion program, where I am a teacher who speaks in or teaches in English because I only know English, but also co-teach with another teacher that has a predominantly different language, and they only teach in that language on one day, and I teach in another language on a different day. But when we swap. On their day, I will try my best to not use English and use only the other language so they can see how much I am struggling with and also know that it's going to be okay. We're all going to get through and we're going to learn two languages and we're going to be dual language learners and that the struggle is, it's perfectly normal and amazing and they're just as valued as they are with their primary language or when they're trying to communicate in a different language. I guess mine is similar to yours except for opposite. I want to be a student 
in an immersion class. Oh. So I think that it would be interesting to be in a class where they spoke only my non-dominant language. I think that would be really interesting. I feel like I would learn a lot about what my students are feeling by being that student who's the only one who can't speak that language. Yeah, yeah, that would be stressful. Because that's like that, very similar to what I was talking about where you would have, like I would be totally, struggling. one day I'd be fine. And the other day I'd be struggling because I would <laughs> mm-hmm. not use ink. I would have to resort to ASL or something or hand yeah. signs to communicate like they do. Yeah. And as a teacher where they look up like, you have the answers. And I'm like, I don't have the answers. I have no answers. I have no answers. <laughs> I'm learning with you. We're together on this. <laughs> What's something that super confused you? Like it put you in the yellow or the red during this program that you feel far more comfortable about now? For me, I would have to say anything having to do with making a lesson plan. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily a subject in particular because a lot of the uncomfortable subjects I felt pretty comfortable discussing because I've always, or recently within the last 10-ish years, I've put myself in situations where I want to be uncomfortable on purpose. So that wasn't so much the issue, but I think a lot of it is just having to learn all of the standards and the way that you have to utilize them, which is very different than what I had to do when I was doing standards in junior kindergarten or preschool because the system that I had was so simple. It was literally built in for me. Me too, me too. So I was like, okay, well now I have to do a lot more research than I thought but I'm getting more comfortable knowing how to look for it and where to look for it. And so it's getting a lot faster for me. Yeah, something that I remember being wary about at the start of the program was anything with these certain buzzwords around critical race theory, culturally responsive, pedagogy, and stuff like that. I am a first-generation college student, and in a lot of elements of my community, I had heard a lot of the stereotypes about critical race theory and been told that upper education is an area where the Democrats go to corrupt you or indoctrinate you, right? Or all these other scary things about critical race theory. And so I didn't necessarily believe those coming in, but those were what I had been fed coming in. And it's honestly been further from the truth. And what's interesting is some individuals that have told me those things, if they were to be in the class that I'm in, they would probably agree with the idea of having critical race theory be taught to teaching candidates. Not that we've had a lot of experience with it, but those big buzzwords that were used to be scary aren't nearly what they said they were. And learning literally the definition of what critical race theory actually is, is highly important. And I think that one class we had was an eye-opener for most of us, just because you hear those words and you hear it from other individuals like you were talking about, and it's not what it is, it's what they think it is or what certain news stations say it is but that's not the actual definition of what it is and it's just really awesome and I think I agree with you. Now for me is the sheer amount of standards we have to shift through. Like Jamie was talking about we as preschool teachers the standards we had were there and they were all in one place and over time you knew what they were but for these standards yes they're all in one place on OSBI but There are different links you have to go to math, to English, to science, and they're also not laid out the same. And there's no like stand, like they're standards, but they look a lot different than what we had as preschool teachers. Because for those standards we had as preschool teachers, it'd say what the goal is, and then they had examples and everything underneath it of how they would attain that goal. And that's not on this 
very That's, different. It's very different. So just adapting those goals, those standards into learning targets and learning how that actually is done correctly. Also making sure that it's student friendly. I feel a lot more comfortable now, but at the beginning I'm like, Wee woo. Uh, mm -mm. I don't know <laughs> if that's going to work for me, but I'm glad it's smoothing out. Yeah. And we also have the added WIDA standards on top of that, where it is specific to English language learners because that is our required endorsement in this program. So not only are we learning Washington state standards, common core state standards, but we also have to learn WIDA standards and we have to be able to weed out the differences on how those are laid out. Mm -hmm. And when I went into the original, <laughs> the original website, I was so overwhelmed and I couldn't find things. I was just, I had no idea where to look. So I'm, I'm glad that we are getting more experience in that because I feel like that's a huge part of teaching. <laughs> It's not, I didn't feel like it was a huge a part of teaching in preschool, mm -hmm. even though it is, it is technically like for educational daycares, but here it is. It's required. Yeah. And all this, <laughs> all the assessments that you have to do, mm -hmm. all of the check-ins and everything. And you have to have actually have documentation of that learning. Right. And if it's and, not happening, then you have to figure out how to make it happen. Right. And when someone walks into your classroom to watch you, you better be hitting all of those standards. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, you better. Now, as we dig deeper into the interview, we're going to switch over to general questions, which are specifically for Jamie this time. And these are questions she has not seen before that she can give longer answers to. What is something about yourself, past beliefs, that you discovered through these past few weeks of content? Uh, so the past few weeks of the current semester, or like we're on the first week, yeah, I would or say the last, last semester, semester. Okay, wrapping it up. So things that I discovered about myself. Mm -hmm. I think plain and simple that I can do it. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I do have more intelligence than I thought that I did originally, and I do have. I already knew I had the work ethic, <laughs> but. I'm able to complete something. I mean, and also that goes back to actually finally graduating with an AA after 20 years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can do it. You're rocking it though. You are <laughs> killing it. Right. Any three of us killing it, Jamie's killing yeah. it. Let alone, can you do it? Can you do it while being top of the class? Seriously. Oh my God. Next question. <laughs> If in 150 years, science fails to save us, and all that is left is a book about your life, what would it be? This is one Just of our questions. I didn't pick it. <sighs> okay, I guess it would be, you will be kicked down, but you will get back up again. Love it. Triple I is this blend of individuals, and we've melded so well together so quickly. In part, due to the fact that we have similarities, but possibly just as importantly, we have key differences. What do you think some of these traits are on either side of the coin that has contributed to our podcast adventures? Yes, please tell. Well, all of the things that we have in common are what keep us together. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it so that we are able to have positive interactions, even if we don't agree, but mostly we do agree on the larger topics. The differences for you and me, Annabelle, I think it's our age. And I think it's that's what makes it good. You have a totally different outlook on life than I do because I've been through things that you haven't been through, but you have just recently experienced things that are so far behind me that I don't remember. And it's current 
to education today. For Thomas, I think that one, it's energy. So whether it be like energy as far as like the hype, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you've got the hype, (laughs) but also the energy of like the understanding between you and I. Because you're amazing. That's why I saw. (laughs) Who has impacted your life the most? My daughter. That's an easy one. I mean, I can say my mom and my family because they have. My mom is the reason that I came to the Americas. (laughs) But my daughter, I think, helped me find my focus. And she's an amazing, special little girl. Mm -hmm. She is. Yeah. I didn't really know where I I didn't really know where I was going until I had her. And then I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Children do that. They have a weird, I, I don't have children, but I know that they do that. A lot of families are like, they've, they've censored me and they move forward. Yeah, they do. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Sorry, mom. (laughs) You were raised by a village. It doesn't have to be like targeting parent specific. No, but I think, I think that if I had had a little bit more discipline, not that I wanted a ton more discipline, but I think that if there had been more discipline, I would have found my focus faster. Yeah. A little more structure, discipline. Yeah. Like, not necessarily hitting you, but more. No, no, no. Like, (laughs) like redirection as well as a little bit more explanation. I think more not letting me just do whatever I wanted to. Like, I was a, I was a free spirit. I could just go run in the woods and do whatever I wanted to. I lived on a 60 acre farm. I, but there were times like, you have to continue this. You need to continue this. You need to finish this. It is important. And having, my mom was like, I didn't get great grades. I understand it's okay to not get great grades. But I think if I had had more of a push on her end versus like the negativity push on the opposite end, that she could have given me a more positive way. Like you can do to this. Do, you can do this. Well, she would do that. But mm-hmm. I think it was more the requirement, like you have to finish. Yes, mm-hmm. you have to finish this. Because you know, yeah. there is some value and com- having to complete something that's not yeah. and she did that in a way but I think I needed more because I was one of those people who was like um I can do a lot of things and I don't know which to decide so I'm just going to try to do everything and not focus on one right Hmm. I needed to focus on one so that I could go somewhere versus having my focus on everything if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self what would you tell her my 18-year-old self. It could be 16. It could be that. No, age uh, that's a good age. That my 18-year-old self had just failed out of college <laughs> and went back to live at home. So, to my 18-year-old self, I would have said, "Figure out a way to go back to community college right now and get your butt in gear. <laughs> Finish now." What's the most important thing you've learned in your life? What was your life like before learning it? What was your life after learning it? Mm. That's a hard one because I feel like I'm still learning it. So I don't think that there is a before and an after. And I don't know that I remember the before. But I think that it's the dealing with depression and anxiety. And being able to do that in a healthy way and being able to be allowed to feel the things that you feel. But not necessarily because I'm, as you know, I'm a huge proponent of like speaking out about that. I've been doing that on my social media for a long time. But I think that just being able to accept that this is who you are and that it's okay and that there are ways that it may not be the same for everyone, but there are ways for you to deal with it and still be a functioning human being and successful human being. And that just about rounds up our general questions. All right, so now we're going to go into a speed round. So I'm going to fire off questions and you're going to answer them, Jamie. Are you ready? Sure. Sure. 
What would be your superpower? Speed. If you could relive one memory as many times as you want, which would it be? Layla learning how to walk. Aww. Describe your experience in childcare in three words. Difficult, rewarding, tiring. Where do you see yourself in 15 to 20 years? With either a master's or a bachelor's, hopefully teaching CLR and diversity at a college. Favorite music genre? Ska. Most hated food? Anything seafood. (laughs) Do you believe in supernatural entities? I don't want to, no. (laughs) But do you? I don't know. I feel like I kind of do, but I feel like maybe that's just me being a scaredy cat. What's the first time you remember feeling seen in a movie or film? Have I ever felt that? Not really. I don't think I ever have. If your voice was a color, what would it be? Orange. If a 25th hour was added to the day, what would you do with it, assuming it's a free hour? Sleep. Me too. (laughs) Me too. If you had one year to live and unlimited resources, what would you do? What I'm doing right now. Would you rather relive one experience of your life or change one? Relive. What would you do with one wish? Make the world better. If you could be an actress of any movie or show, who would it be? Saturday Night Live. If you could spend an entire day with any one celebrity, who would you choose to spend it with? Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. This concludes your speed round. All right. It's time for Annabelle's general questions. Sell yourself to us. So like your 15 second elevator speech about yourself. Sell us your Mm -hmm. amazing self. Tell us what's amazing and just sell it. Yeah. Who is Annabelle? Why is Annabelle? What is Annabelle? Oh man. What is an Annabelle? (laughs) It's a little doll that tries to carry your neck. (laughs) My name is Annabelle. I was born and raised in Northern California, except for a short stint in Southern Oregon. And then I moved up here when I turned 15. I love the outdoors. I love helping people. I love reading. And I'm a really hard worker, and I'm very interested in helping your business, insert whatever thing is I'm selling myself for, here. And I'm also a huge team player who's just ready to get down and work. Very good team player, definitely. What was the main reason you decided to become a teacher? I think it kind of had two different fields, and then those two came together. One of them was I've always loved learning. I've always been one to ask a lot of questions, and I was extremely lucky in that I had a large line of elementary school teachers who supported me and supported my passions. So there was that element and I knew I wanted to continue learning and wanted to give that gift of learning to other people. The other element that grew ever since I've been young, I've always been one to care but also one to nurture and I love listening. I love learning people's whys and hearing their deepest darkest secrets and obviously that's not what you get every day as a teacher but I want to be somebody who students know is in their corner and can hear anything that they come to me to the table with and I'm going to accept them and I'm going to try to help them if that's what they need. And I, I do know you do. You do like to listen and hear that's something that is a really strong suit for you. Um, What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? And I think because you're not going into it yet, when you either began school for this or when you began practicum. I think it was interesting because I knew this, that you have to be a leader in that classroom and your voice is going to be listened to. Previously, I've been in a lot of teams. I've done a lot of collaborative work, but it's different to do that and to be the decision maker, to make the decision on the fly. And when I reflect and think about things, I can come up with reasonable answers. But answering those on the spot and being the end-all be-all was something new that I'm needing to get adjusted to. And you're working it, definitely. What is your biggest failure and what did you or are you still learning from it? 
I guess it comes down to voice and decision making. I don't know if to onlookers or to others this would be seen as a failure because part of it was a result of my age, but there have been times where things were out of my debt that people had told me or that I had experienced that had I told somebody else, it would have helped the person who told me. And instead, those people are still in those situations because I chose to remain silent in order to keep what I thought was peace. Mm, That's a good one. That's deep. What is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk? This is a phrase, and a decent amount of it is true, but a decent amount of it isn't. Teachers are underpaid, underappreciated, and glorified babysitters. Now, we might be underpaid in some areas. I do think a lot of parents underappreciate teachers, but what gets me is the glorified babysitters. I'm sorry, I could babysit when I was 13. That doesn't mean I could teach kids curriculum. Right. Mm -hmm. I can keep a kid safe, and that's human instinct. At least I would think so to an extent. For most. For most, keeping a kid safe is human instinct, but teaching is its own beast, and it requires a more in-depth knowledge. Off the top of your head, without too much thinking, what is your biggest regret in life? I know this was a question. I could have used that for my failure question. They're kind of tied together, though. It's not a singular one, but I think voicing things when they needed to be voiced or telling people what I thought before it was not to sound ominous because it's not just the situation, but before it was too late. Your voice is amazing and it's important. Always remember that. Mm -hmm. Anyway. This is a question that um, is familiar to me. What's the most important thing you've learned in your life? What was your life like before learning it? And what was it like after learning it? This sounds simple, but it's different to understand. Your life does not happen in isolation to others. And those experiences within your within your bubble, whatever community you want to put that under, are not singular. I think it's really interesting. The more vulnerable you are with people, the more overlaps you find. And many things that I thought were simply due to a few singular reasons that only happened within my community or within my family or whatnot actually are extremely common, but we just wouldn't know that if we don't talk about it. What is the one question you will never give me an answer to? This is intriguing because you two are probably one of the people that I would answer most questions to, especially as we've gotten to know each other. But I think answers I wouldn't give you would have to do with me having to make decisions or choices between loved ones in a real sense, not in a theoretical sense. Mm -hmm. So off of that, is there something about your life that you just keep ignoring because you aren't ready to face it? Um, That's a lot of things for me. I tend to notice something, whether or not that's an emotion or element of something, and I'll notice it, and it'll go in a little box with a little bow, and we'll ignore it until I'm at a time again where I can reflect on it. And I'll reflect and overthink things for months, if not years at a time, before I'll share them with people. So I would probably say there's a lot of elements about my emotions or identities that are still internal and will become external eventually. If you were wrongfully put in an insane asylum, how would you convince them that you're actually sane and not just pretending to be sane? That would be really hard to do. I think probably my best way to do that would be to ask them to ask me questions about my perception of things. And then I would then give them an answer that worked. And so what I'm trying to think is if somebody was like extremely paranoid, right? And you showed them an image of something that would make them spout a conspiracy or something like that, I would give a standard, basic, cookie-cutter answer right there, right? That I could just <laughs> keep <laughs> doing that enough times. Also, I am I feel like I'm generally relatively good at reading people, so 
I could read what my test person or whoever I'm in getting interviewed by, what they think. And if you pair it back to people what they already believe, they'll believe you because the humans are kind of self-centric. Um, Jamie, I think she may have thought about this in depth <laughs> before. Um, but this concludes our general questions round, and it's now time for our speed round. Woohoo! Welcome to Speed Round, Annabelle edition. Who, if anyone, has impacted you the most in your life, and why? I'm going to say my parents. It's tied, and it's kind of the obvious answer, but because they've been here the longest, and because they've, for better or worse, made me into the person I am today. Speed round, girl. Uh, my parents. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle didn't learn speed round. <laughs> if you had one day left to live, what five things would you do? See my loved ones and tell them what I need to tell them. Spend time in nature, eat good food, and that's about it, honestly. Hmm. Pretty simple. You don't even need five. Need all five. All right. What's the worst thing you've ever done in your life? <laughs> Here's a trend for you, but if you're going to give me similar questions, you're going to get similar answers, but keep quiet, honestly. What is your best tip for making the world a better place? Listen and listen to, to learn. What would your superpower be? Shapeshifting. What would be the best worst name for different types of businesses, i.e. dry cleaners, amusement parks, etc.? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. There's some, you know, how there's the place where people get go to get embalmed and put into coffins and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right? Imagine if you were a casket maker. So similar thing, right? You're a human container maker. <laughs> <laughs> Can we buy out the container store? <laughs> the container store! What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? Guilt and the idea of who I or other people were meant to be. If you were an animal, which animal would you be? An owl, so I could fly. <laughs> yeah, and so I could see. I can't really do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's something people seem to misunderstand about you? I think not exactly the same as what you were saying earlier, Jamie, but similar is... I can come off a little bit distant or quiet to other people, and I think that comes off as being extremely pensive or extremely judgmental, which I'm neither of those things. And I think mm -hmm. it also gives like this idea of me being like way more calculated, intelligent than I am, which is not where we're going with this. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Honestly, teaching, helping others and getting to do work like that. And time I've spent volunteering in classrooms, I always come out of that refreshed and thinking about what I want to do next and how I want to help. So then what motivates you to get up in the morning to get there? <laughs> <laughs> Hope for the future. I've always been a dreamer. I've always made up imaginary stories in my head. And so even though we live in reality, I can just come up with some fake thing about how great the day is going to be. And then <laughs> if it's not true, at least I'm already up. <laughs> if you could change any one thing globally to make the world a better place, what change would you make? Equitable and equal education. Because a lot of where we find issues is in misunderstanding, not in difference in opinions. That's it for your speed round. Take a deep breath. It's yeah. over. You made it through. Oh. It's fine. So we have reached the final fabulous Thomas edition. Take the best for last. If you had to change one defining moment or decision you made in your life, what would it be and why? Defining moment. I would say when I graduated from my first associate's program, which was at Clark College with the ECE program, I should have stayed and gone for my bachelor's then and not waited. And it took me five extra years to actually get motivated to go back. But I would not change the experience I had with the children over the past 10 years. I just would prefer to have a better degree, which equals better pay most of the time. 
What's an interaction you've had with a stranger that's stuck with you over the years? Okay, so I was in high school, and I was walking my little happy bottom down the road with my brother, and my brother decided that he was just going to be really cool and start flipping people off in cars. Well, one of those individuals, adult, a man, and we were 17, I would think I was 17, he was 15, and he flipped him off, he stopped, and the guy got out of the car and started yelling at us, and I had to be an adult at the time and say, we are children. Anything you say or do can be, we can call the cops out, like saying all these things. And like it really put in perspective that how much of a voice I actually had. If a student were to ask you, what is the meaning of life? What would be your answer? 42, just kidding. <laughs> um, I think the meaning of life is do the best you can and try to be as kind and caring of a person as you possibly can to not only those around you, but also any life around you. Because the effect you have on life affects everyone else's life. That makes sense. Yeah. What's one of your favorite podcast memories? Oh my goodness. My favorite podcast memory was we had to re-record our first podcast like three times. <gasps> And then we had to make these little like little like little sections and send them. And then Jamie, with all of her technical magical skills, had to weave them all together. And then it didn't even upload. And so we had to then redo it. Yeah. And that I would say that was a very defining moment and a very magical moment at that. You know, I feel like that probably brought us closer. <laughs> that did. But I wish we still had that recording, so at least we could. It was amazing. It. Yeah, because it was really that one was really good. It was. Yeah. Well, and I think it's funny because I'm sitting here trying my hardest, and I'm like, I am so sorry. <laughs> I have to tell them. Imagine if I wasn't as confident uh, in our relationship. And I mean, we had just really yeah. met, but had I not been confident that this relationship was going to be a good relationship, me telling you that we had to record it twice, <laughs> and it took us hours, that would have I, I would have been so much more nervous if I hadn't had confidence in you two. I really just felt bad for you. Right? Had to edit both of those, and you have to. I'm like, we're all just talking, talking and you have to do all that. That the really heavy lifting. I felt really bad for you at that time. I'm like, that's what we record. What time works for you? Right. <sighs> that was oh. good times. And not good times. <laughs> it was fabulous. It was fabulous. It, was, it, it made us what we are today. So if in 150 years, science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life, what would be the title? The Tales of a Gay Kid Trying His Best in the World. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> That's what I got. That's what you get today. <laughs> If you were ruler of your own country, what would be the first law you would introduce? I would eradicate money because I'd rather people trade services versus someone someone becoming a, I guess I'm the ruler, I guess I would have the most of resources, but I would have people trade resources than money so there wouldn't be any billionaires, millionaires, just because we have enough land and resources that we could share it. We can give it to everybody versus there being what we have today where there's so many people who don't have enough but people who have way too much and I, I want that to be more equitable for me and for everybody else so you would put us back on a barter system kind of a barter system but more of like um there would be some weight to what you do but everybody would help each other it would be more of a community system more of a barter system so do you believe that life gives you second chances I think life is a 
it's a journey. I don't know if I believe in second chances, but I believe in growing as an individual as well as growth in general. Like, you learn from, I don't like using the word mistakes, but you learn from life experiences to then teach others about those life experiences, and it's just a compounding effect. Like, my mother did better than her mother, and I'm going to do better than my mother. And so from her experiences or my experiences, I'm just going to try to make my life better. And yes, I've made mistakes, we grow and we learn from them, and I wouldn't change most of them. But something horrible that we as humans have accepted, because that's just how things are, but actually things don't have to be that way at all. Um, can we talk about global warming and climate? Because uh, we've created that, and we've known for years and years and years that we could change that. And we're still like, well, we're just going to keep burning. Matrix, we are the virus. We are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Mother Earth is going to be like, it's time to heat them off the planet. So when was the last time that you had a gut feeling about something that turned out to be correct? Okay. Mm. So the last time that I had a gut feeling, well, most of the time my gut feeling was correct. Something very shady was going on in my relationship, and something was like, it's time to check that out. And I checked it out, and what I thought was true. Wipe them out of my life, call it good. So second part of the question is, how about a time that your gut feeling was wrong? Oh, that would probably be a a bias I had. So I I moved up here from South Carolina, which is a lot of, has a lot of racism and embedded racism. That is just who they are, which is wrong and horrible and all of the, all of it. But... I didn't realize that certain words were not allowed to be spoken to other people because we say them so frequently down there that it's kind of like second nature and I thought that it would be fine and ooh, I was, it was not fine and I was not fine and it was an experience that I will never forget. <laughs> no. Alright, it's time for your speed round. Thomas, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Alright, if you could be any animal, what would you be? I would be a fox. What are your hobbies outside of education? Uh, video games, games, and um, anime. What pop culture or fictional teacher do you aspire to be like? Ooh, I would be Kiro Sensei from Assassination Classroom. What are your pet peeves? Name three. Pet peeves is whining, indecisiveness, and I don't like things that are dirty. I really don't like a disorganized, like I just can't deal with dirtiness. Do you believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life forms, also known as aliens? Yeah, I did. well, this, the solar systems are way too big for this evolution cycle to only happen to us, so it'd be interesting. What's something about you that contradicts the vibe your appearance or image gives off? I'm a lot spicier than people imagine. What's your Hogwarts house? Ravenclaw. What's your go-to road trip snack? Beef jerky. What's Ooh. your favorite phrase or quote? It is what it is. <laughs> if you could have a heightened sense, which one would you choose? I would love to be able to hear everything. Okay. I would not choose that one. (laughs) I want to hear so many things. If I could also have a superpower, it would be telepathy, but that's beside the point. (laughs) (laughs) What's a movie that consistently makes you cry, or that you memorably remember crying to? Everything. The Notebook, Titanic. I just watched Jingle All the Way and cried, but... (laughs) Or no, Single All the Way. Mm, um, okay. And, and cried for that one. And Assassination in Classroom. It's an anime, but I cried like the longest I've ever cried for anything. I cried for three days. Wow. Mm-hmm. All the crying all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm an emotional individual. 
Where do you go when you want to be alone? My office? Uh, like a special spot. Like a spot? Oh, if I want to... Okay, so I'll go any body of water. Mm-hmm. I will find a river. I will find a fountain. Like, there was one time I needed to think, but there was no really no water. But there was a bunch of... Fount- like the killer fountain in Portland. Mm-hmm. I will go and just look at water, moving water. Who's your favorite Marvel character and why? My favorite Marvel character is Thor, because he's God and... <laughs> I love him. Would you ever put your life in someone else's hands? And if you would, who would that person be? I would put it in Adrian's hands, my partner, because I know he will never try to hurt me. Like, I don't really want to put it in anyone's hands because I'm very self-independent. Because you're the one that normally would put, like, the other people would put their lives in your hands. Yes. But that turns the tables on I you. I don't like doing that. It <laughs> makes me feel like I'm I feel in the red right now. I was going to say, what color are you feeling right now? Well, I guess that brings us to the next question. Which personality trait would you like to get rid of? I would like to get rid of my shyness, especially with people I don't know. I tend to be more reserved, but I'm a very outgoing person, but I don't like the initial... Like, I'm an extrovert introvert. I'm, like, extroverted when I get to know everyone. But mm-hmm. if I don't know everyone, then I will not really talk. If you ask me to go pick out of a group and find a partner, I will wait until someone finds me, typically. Beautiful. And that is the end. Woo! Oh, that thought was harder than... Oh, it's good. Okay, great. Thank you for joining us for this Triple I episode, Meet the Makers. As we enter spring semester of 2022, we plan to integrate our new classes, more guest interviews, and new spinoffs. So look forward to our upcoming episodes with this new subject matters. Thank you again, as always, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed getting to know us a little bit better as people, not just statistics. Thank you for coming along with us on this academic journey. Click that follow button so you can join us next time for more ins and outs of education, past, present, and future.